Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Good morning. Today is a good day because we serve a good, faithful, and loving God. Amen. There we go. That's awesome. Hmm. Oh, it's good to see your faces. Those of you online, it's, I wish I could see your faces, but thank you for joining us. It's exciting to have you here. And my mom is watching, so hello, mom. The reason I bring... Ah, they're cheering for you. That's fantastic. That's good. The reason I bring up my mom in particular is, is uh, last week was American Thanksgiving, which is a fantastic celebration. I grew up in Florida. I spent a couple of years in California and then ended up up here because I just thought the weather in Beaver Lodge was very similar to those other places. So, But uh, Thanksgiving in the States is different than Thanksgiving in Canada. I remember my first Canadian Thanksgiving uh, my wife, who was not my wife at the time, uh, took pity on this uh, sad American boy who was at Bible college, and uh, we were not even dating at the time, though I was watching her quite a, quite a bit. But she invited me to come home with her uh, to have a Canadian Thanksgiving with her family. And I remember it was, there was just the family there, and uh, there was a little bit of food, and they brought out a little ham for me that was about this big, and I thought it was all so cute. American Thanksgiving is quite a bit different. And at American Thanksgiving, that's the time of year that all the extended family comes together. Doesn't matter where you are, someone chooses to host, and everyone just descends upon their home. And oftentimes, uh, in the evenings, people are sleeping kind of like 12 to a room or something like that. It's fantastic how wonderful and family-oriented it is. And my mom that was number seven out of nine children. And so there was a large family that would gather. There were tons of aunts and, un- and uncles and-, and cousins that would gather for American Thanksgiving. We often had it, uh, until my granny passed away, we often had it at my granny's house. And there was always lots of food piled up everywhere. There was just endless tables of food for you to grab from, tons and tons of food. There was even a whole room often devoted for dessert. <laughs> Good, right? Isn't that fantastic? I remember, um, uh, 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 actually, as I think about the dessert room, you guys know that we haven't had potlucks here for quite a while, but usually at potlucks, I'm, I go to the dessert table first. I think it's because it reminds me of home. The idea of having dessert just feels warm and wonderful and good. Well, I remember one November when Farrell and I first got married, I thought I need to treat her to an American Thanksgiving. She treated me to a Canadian Thanksgiving. I needed to treat her to an American Thanksgiving. So we went to my mom's house for Thanksgiving, uh, and I wanted to introduce Farrell also to uh, the rest of my extended family. Uh, which was going to be fun. I tried to set her up a little bit ahead of time to tell her what it was going to be like, but nobody could really prepare her for what she was about to face. Well, we have an interesting family. Uh, I grew up in an interesting family. Um, We're all kind of... uh, There's really good ways to say this. (laughs) But you've probably seen shows about this. If you've seen shows about some of the gator people 
that kind of idea, the people that live kind of in the backwoods, that's sort of what we're kind of like. My, mo- my mom is from Alabama and then moved to Florida, right? So we're kind of like doubly backwoodsy, right? So it really is fantastic. It's a beautiful place to grow up, a, a, a beautiful family to grow up. And, and, and it's not that my relatives are unintelligent, right? Some of my relatives are the most intelligent people I know. They just live life a little bit differently. Well, I brought Farrell down to meet the cousins and to meet and to introduce her to American Thanksgiving. One of the things that will kind of tell you a little bit about what this American Thanksgiving was like, um, we, have, we always have a ham, um, and not like the cute little Canadian hams. I think your pigs are smaller, but not like one of the cute Canadian hams. We have like a ham, right? Like a, a real ham. And we would set it out sometime, you know, early in the morning, and it would just sit out all day long. I'm sure it was a terrible food safety no-no, but the ham would sit out all day long, and that's just what you would do. You'd go and get a hunk of ham, and you'd sit, and you'd visit, and you'd go get another hunk of ham, and you'd sit and visit, and all day long you would pick away at this ham. Well, my beautiful new wife, who was young and uh, is here now walking into the room, good job, that's, that's well done was sitting next to one of my uncles. And my uncle was um, cleaning out underneath his fingernails with his knife, right, with his pocket knife, which is just what you do when you're visiting and chatting and, and doing that kind of stuff. And he turned to her and said, would you like some ham? And so she said, sure, I'll have some ham. So he went to the big ham, got a chunk of ham, brought it back on a paper plate for her, sat down with her, cleaned his knife off on his pants, and started cutting it into chunks for her so the two of them could share. And in her wonderful Canadian politeness, she shared it beautifully. And I said to her, at least he cleaned off his knife. (laughs) At the same Thanksgiving, we uh, deep fried a turkey. Now, I don't, you guys have probably heard about this now, right? You know about deep frying turkeys because that's a thing that people do now. But back then, hardly anybody had heard about it. And it was something that I had never heard of, and I was pretty amazed. And so I asked my cousin, the one that was in charge of the deep frying, where he had learned about this. Now, you need to picture the scene here, okay? So we're on the driveway. We're at my mom's house. This is where we're having Thanksgiving. It was at my mom's house. And we're on the driveway, and the, the turkey is deep frying right there, and it's making all the beautiful deep frying sounds. And my cousin is standing there. He's got no shirt on. He's got no shoes on. He's got shorts on. And uh, he's a little bit wobbly at this point in the day, if you know what I mean. And he's standing there with a mason jar full of his favorite beverage. He's got one hand on his belt here like this. And I said, where did you learn about deep frying a turkey? And he kind of leans back a little bit, looks at me and says, saw this on Martha Stewart. (laughs) I imagine him at home watching all the Martha Stewart cooking shows and learning all about decorating and cooking. It's fantastic. Now, it might have been a little bit sketchy, and it might have been a little backwoodsy, and it might have been a little unhygienic at times, but it felt like home, and it was full of love. And I loved introducing my new wife to my family and her being accepted by them and my uncle sharing ham with her and all the stuff that was happening. It felt like home. 
Uh, there was something about sitting between an uncle cleaning his fingernails and an, and an inebriated cousin without his shirt on that just felt real and right and full of love. This is our first Sunday of Advent this year. Advent means arrival, and it specifically looks forward to the coming of Jesus Christ as a baby. In the Gospels of of Matthew and Luke, we see a description of the arrival of Jesus. It's a simple, simple story. Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph is from. He's bringing his bride home to his hometown. No, he's not going there because he wants to show off his hometown. He's going there because a census has been called and he has to go there. But nonetheless, Joseph is bringing Mary back to his hometown. But there was nowhere for Joseph and Mary to stay, which of course was strange because Joseph is going back to his hometown. You would think he'd have lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and people there that he would know. But Bethlehem was bursting at the seams with long-lost cousins and family. So Joseph and Mary end up in a barn. And in the middle of the muck and the grime and the unhygienic stuff, Jesus was born. It lacks the grandeur, of course, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords deserves, doesn't it? You would think that when divinity, when royalty would come to earth, there would be something more amazing. It feels super backwoodsy, and it doesn't even have the comedic element of an inebriated cousin and a fingernail-cleaning uncle to kind of cut it a little bit. It wasn't even nostalgic. It wasn't pretty. It was just mucky. That's what Matthew and Luke tells us about the story, this simple story of Mary and Joseph going to a barn and having baby Jesus. The Gospel of John tells the story a little bit more poetically. John's Gospel opens up with John going back to the very beginning of everything to describe who this Jesus is so that we can understand the big deal that Advent is. Now, what you need to know is that John describes a person. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, John begins by describing a person who he calls the Word. Now, later in that same chapter, John tells us that the person that he describes as the Word is, in fact, Jesus Christ. The Word is Jesus. So, right out of the gate, here's what John says. In the beginning was the Word. Now, just so I know that you're following along with me here, who's the Word? Jesus, that's right. So, here's what John says. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, what an entrance, right? What a beginning to the book of John. Jesus is the Word who was with God in the beginning, and who is God. All things were made through Jesus. There's nothing that exists that hasn't been made through Jesus. In Jesus is life, and that life is the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. What a great beginning. You need to stop here for a moment 
and just understand what John is doing. Because this is, this is John's show-stopping introduction. It's as if, as if John gets up and says, Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It is my pleasure to introduce to you the Word, the awe-inspiring, the magnificent, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Holy One, the Creator, the Sustainer, the All-Sufficient One, life incarnate, light incarnate, the preeminent one. He was here before all these things, the all-powerful one. Nothing has been created without him, the all-knowing one, the eternal one, the one who is above all things, God himself. Would you rise to your feet because you're about to be in the presence of royalty, in the presence of divinity, of righteousness, of holiness. I introduce you to the one who has come to save, the one who has come to reveal, the one who has come to make all things right. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to the greatest of the greatest of the greatest, the Word, Jesus. And it is this Jesus it is this Jesus, the Word, God incarnate in flesh, who was born into a lowly manger, in a mucky barn, in an overcrowded city that was too full to notice. John goes on to say, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that a good way of putting it? The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The amazing, the outstanding, the incredible Jesus became a little, real, fleshy baby and moved into the neighborhood. The mucky, backwoodsy barn of a neighborhood. No fanfare, no red carpets, not even a little drummer boy. Jesus showed up in the middle of the darkness. What would drive the king of kings to come down from his heavenly throne, from the grandeur, from his seat amongst the universe? What would drive the king of kings to come to this lowly backwater town of Bethlehem? Not just, not just that it was a barn that he was born in, but a barn in Bethlehem. One of the lowest cities that there was. It just was like almost a nothing city. Well, John tells us just a couple chapters later in his gospel. John says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's such a... Like, almost seems like an overly simplistic answer, doesn't it? Why did Jesus come? For love. For love. Jesus left heaven, came down, and moved into our neighborhood because of love. Now, I don't know if you've seen the headlines lately, but there might be a, a global supply shortage for Christmas. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. There seems to be some stuff going on in the world. People are working around the clock to, to stop this from happening, partly because they are so concerned. And I've seen this headline, Christmas might be ruined. 
Christmas might, there's a global supply shortage. The, 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 the aisles will be empty. There will be no toys in the stores. Christmas may be ruined. It's amazing. It's amazing. Christmas may be ruined. How quickly we forget the late great words of Dr. Seuss. In, in the book-turned-movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, there's a fantastic little poem. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the story, which would be surprising, but if you are unfamiliar with the story, uh, the title tells it all. There's this character named the Grinch who steals all the Christmas trees, all the Christmas presents, all the Christmas food, the Christmas lights, and everything Christmassy from the little town of Whoville on the night of Christmas Eve. The Grinch steals Christmas, or so he thinks. After this dastardly deed, the Grinch stands up on a mountain overlooking Whoville, and he watches and he listens to hear the sad sounds. He wants to hear the people wake up and cry because Christmas has been stolen. So here's where the narrator picks up the story. We begin with the words of the Grinch. Poo-poo to the Who's, the Grinch was Grinchily humming, They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a moment or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry, boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But this sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Now, neither the Grinch nor Dr. Seuss point to Jesus, of course. But I wonder if in our own story, this tale is helpful for us to ponder We enter into the second COVID Christmas on the brink of a global supply shortage with all kinds of woes and miseries potentially plaguing us. But here we enter into this simple little story, the true story of Christmas, that the king of the universe stepped down into the manger in a mucky, dark place because of love. He came without ribbons, he came without tags, he came without packages, boxes, or bags. Maybe Christmas, the Grinch thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Here comes little Jesus into our backwoodsy, mucky barn of a neighborhood. And we see Jesus through the Gospels, right? The stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the stories of Jesus showing up of being in the neighborhood, of going house to house, town to town, of going down every back alley, 
of seeing the people face to face, God in the flesh walking the same roads the people walked, touching people, touching people. God, God, the king of the universe, touching people, even lepers and sinners and people of poor reputation. You see Jesus eating with some of the lowest of the low and even some of the dirtiest of the dirties, even fingernail-cleaning uncles and inebriated shirtless cousins. It's crazy. Jesus hangs out with people that give him a poor reputation. That's one of the claims against him. He eats with, with sinners. He hangs out with people of ill repute. Out of the great love of God, Jesus came into this world. Jesus revealed to the world that God is love. That God is love. Jesus even revealed that God is love to people who thought they knew who God was. This whole religious institution that was sure that they understood everything there was to understand about God. In fact, one of them goes up to Jesus to test him and asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus didn't list off one of the Ten Commandments. He, he didn't give one of the best sayings from one of the prophets of old. He just said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Really, Jesus? Like, the Old Testament is a big book. Like, I don't know if you know, it's like two-thirds of your Bible. It's like a big book. There's a lot in it. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. All the law and the prophets love God, love others. It's that simple. Doesn't that just turn your whole idea of religion upside down? Not only did Jesus come to the neighborhood as an act of love from God, not only did Jesus live a life of love to everyone he met, Jesus also says that everything everyone knows about the Old Testament, which was the reigning lifeblood of the, the religious institution at that point, every piece of it hangs on love. Every piece of it hangs on love. Loving God and loving others. And then a little while later, just in case... His followers didn't get it yet. Jesus says this. A new command I give you. Now, I wonder if when he said this, they all kind of went, oh, great. <laughs> like, we've got lots of commands, Jesus. Like, we've got lots of commands. But Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus came to the neighborhood out of love. He walked the neighborhood in love. He ate with, with people out of love. He hangs all the rules and regulations on love. And he says, get this, he says, if you want to live in the same neighborhood that I'm living in, you got to love each other. you got to love each other. The advent of Jesus at Christmas is the arrival of the very personification of love. Jesus is love in human form. Love lived out. Love with shoes on. Christmas isn't about the lights and the, and the trees and the presents and the food, even though that stuff is fantastic and wonderful. Jesus, Christmas isn't about all of that stuff. 
Christmas is about the King of Kings moving into the neighborhood out of love and then setting up shop in you and me. See, each of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we carry Christ's presence in us through His Holy Spirit, which means that we have love in our bones. We have the Spirit of love in us. Have you received the love of Jesus today? Have you received the love of Jesus today? Do you know how much He loves you? The greatest present you could ever receive into your life is Jesus. He loves you. Have you received the love of Jesus today? I don't know where you're at today, but many of us are carrying around a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of difficulties and struggles and pressures. We're carrying a lot of stuff right now. And things are hard. Things are hard. We don't need to pretend like everything is light and breezy and everything is fine. Things are hard right now. There is a crisis of loneliness and depression. There are job frustrations. There are marriage difficulties. Families are in trouble. There are health struggles. There's all kinds of things. You name it, things are hard right now. And it seems like here we sit in the muck and the mess and the darkness of a barn with all of our struggles. And maybe that's where you would say you're at right now, in a kind of a mucky, dark barn. And the story of Christmas is that right there, in the middle of the muck, in the middle of the dark, in the middle of all the struggles, right where you might find yourself today, right in your neighborhood, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up with all of his overwhelming love, with his radical love. No judgment, no arrogance, just brilliant love. So today, as we sit in that space of maybe not having all the wonderful stuff, of walking through difficulties and struggles, are you willing today to place your worries and your difficulties into the manger this Christmas. See, Jesus does a beautiful thing. He shows up, and he's willing to take all of our muck, all of our struggles, all of our difficulties, all of our pressures, and he's willing to exchange them for his overwhelming love. Would you be willing to exchange your muck for his love this morning? Even right now, I want you to do something with me. And those of you at home, just stop for a moment. I know there's probably dishes to be done and there's kids to be corralled and all kinds of stuff, but just stop for a moment. And wherever you're at today, just, just put your hands in front of you and, and ball them up. And I want you just to imagine, imagine whatever it is that you're struggling with today. And you can name it in your own head. Maybe it's a lack of revision. Maybe it's health struggles. Maybe it's family crisis. Maybe it's loneliness. Whatever it is, Picture whatever it is that you're struggling with balled up in your fists right now. I want you just to to close your eyes for a moment. Take a breath. And then turn to Jesus. Just imagine Jesus being right there in front of you. And open your hands in front of Jesus. 
and give your muck to Jesus. Jesus, we lay down. We give you all of our muck, all of our pressures, our struggles, our difficulties, all of our stresses. We give it all to you, Jesus. Thank you for taking our muck. And just sit there for a moment and just picture him just taking your muck away, whatever that looks like. Maybe you've been living in disobedience. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've just been struggling with the woes of this world. Whatever it is, picture Jesus taking all that away from you. And Jesus always trades up. Jesus, as you take our muck, would you give back to us your overwhelming love? Just picture Jesus giving you his love. Giving you his love. Maybe it looks like him giving you a hug. Maybe it looks like just a smile on his face. Maybe it just looks like or feels like peace. Jesus, would you give us your love? I pray that even right now you would be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. Filled from the very bottom of your feet to the very top of your head and overflowing with the love of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving us your love. Now, as you've been filled with the love of Jesus, that's a great gift, isn't it? It's a great gift. But you're not made to be like a sponge that just soaks it all up and just sits there, rancid-like. That's not what you're meant to be. You're meant to be kind of like a, like a, a water pipe where the love of Jesus flows into you and the love of Jesus flows out of you. So as you've been filled with the love of Jesus, live in that neighborhood. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love others as you've been loved by Jesus. Now, I get, I get the sense that there's potentially um, two other things going on here. So, you may never have received the love of Jesus before. You may be here today in person or online watching, um, and you, this might be new for you, stepping into a place where you're receiving the love of Jesus. It might be the first time you've experienced his love. Now, you need to understand that Jesus' love didn't just start, stop at Christmas. Jesus came out of love at Christmas, and he lived a, a, a wonderful, amazing life for 33 years where he traveled around, he touched people, he healed people, he preached about the coming of the kingdom of God, and then he laid down his life at Easter, which is several months from now, but would have been 33 years later. He laid down his life at Easter, he died on the cross, so that you and I could not just experience the love of God right now, but that we could experience the love of God for all of eternity. For everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ gets to experience the love of Jesus for all of eternity. So if today you've, you've experienced the love of Jesus for the first time, if you've accepted his love, if you've given him your muck, and you've accepted his love for the very first time today, we want to talk to you about that. We want to encourage you and strengthen you. We want to teach you more about Jesus so that you can know who it is that loves you. So if you've done that for the first time today, give us a call, email us, 
show up at the church. We'd love to chat with you and encourage you some more. The other thing that comes to mind here is that you might be in a place where, you know we talked about how the religious experts of the day misunderstood God. They thought God was all about the rules and the regulations. They, had, they actually added more rules and regulations upon what the Old Testament talked about because they wanted to be really careful not to make God mad. And Jesus showed up, the exact representation of God. God in a bod shows up full of love and reveals to the world that God is love. You might be at a place today where you've been hurt by the religious institution. You've been hurt by the church or by churchy people. You've been hurt maybe by Christians who, who maybe meant well, or maybe they didn't mean well. I don't know. But you may be hurt by some religious stuff in the past. And I just want to say to you at this point that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've been hurt. I apologize on behalf of those that have hurt you in the past. And my desire for you and, and God's desire for you is to, for you to walk into healing and not be held back any longer by those religious things that hurt you in the past. Jesus wants you to experience love. All of this hangs on love. And so I just pray that, that today you would experience the healing of Jesus. You'd experience his healing in that space where you've experienced that hurt that religious hurt in the past. I pray that you would experience the healing of God and that you would be filled to overflowing with his love. And if you want to talk to us more about that, we'd love to talk to you more about that. We'd love to encourage you and pray for you and strengthen you. So if you've been hurt in the past by religious stuff, we'd love to help you walk through that to gain some healing. Today is the first Sunday of Advent where we celebrate that Jesus came to this little, mucky, and backwoodsy world to bring God's love. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ, and then make him known.